All right, thank you so much, Austin, all you do for us, and Terry, you're helping out today. Good to see kids here with you, us today, and hey, we're all kids in the army of the Lord. <laughs> we're pressing on. Hey, we made it back from Florida. Uh, I survived by the grace of God. <laughs> you know, if you know me, uh, I'm a homebody pretty much. Uh, I'll get out once in a while when, when I'm pulled a little bit, encouraged a little bit. But uh, Anna did her shopping while I sat in the car, you know, and uh, four hours later, oh, I think we got it covered now. And so, but I miss Anna. I miss Anna, and Emily's there too. And uh, hey, we're empty nesters, so to speak, whatever that means. They do come back, I hear, from time to time. <laughs> So life is good. Life is good. We're just proud of our girl. You know, Ashley's uh, moved up to Duluth, and she's, she's one of the girls here that's been a blessing to so many. And uh, let's be praying for our young people, praying that they stay strong. Pray that, uh, that they'll be a, a, a firebrand in the, in the kingdom. God is looking for people whom he can fill. His eyes move to and fro, that scripture says. He looks for people. He uses people. Why he chose us, I don't know. This is God's plan. Why he chose human people uh, that, are, that are apt to make mistakes or apt to sin, but by God's grace, he never called us because we're perfect. Let's just get over it, okay? We're never going to be perfect. But we are here, we, are, we, we, we allow ourselves to admit that we are centered, that, that we're, we're ahead of the game. God can deal with that. It's when we don't, when we don't want to admit, to, for all said, when all said and done, we're going to stand before the Lord someday. And I believe that God can make that a good day for us. Because it don't have to be a day we, we, we don't look forward to, but a day we look forward to. Because God says, he, Jesus said, I, I will be there w with you. He has taken, he has faced the judgment. He's faced the penalty of sin already. And so we're not going to stand alone before our Father, but Jesus Christ is going to be with us. He is our advocate. And so we're fighting this battle here on the earth. I've been drawn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 this, this morning. I begin to think about the times that we are in. The times that we're living in are unparalleled, unprecedented. We, we hear those words, none like we've seen before. Now guess what? Man has been going up and down for ages and ages and ages. Sin has been going up and down and up and down. One king comes in, and we see it in Old Testament. When they served the Lord, the nation grew, the nation prospered. But another king came, came in, and he served the other gods. And what would happen? The nation would crumble and fall apart. And so we are in, the, the nation needs the help of our God. And so I'm going to take, take a few thoughts from Ecclesiastes 3, and I'm going to call this a season for everything. And we're in a season. And just be, be encouraged by the word itself, season. Because season is a time, and it, has, it, it comes and goes. And so right now the season of fall is approaching, and I'm loving it. You know, I love the, when I start to see the trees. That's going to change. But then you know what's on the heels of the fall is the winter. And then... Someone said, I love spring. And that may be your favorite time of the year. But I love fall. That for some reason, that's my favorite time of the year. But the Bible has seasons for you and I. We have moments to walk in, 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 in his will. We have moments that 
we have to serve him. We, only, we have a lifetime. We have moments that he's prepared you and I to walk into. In fact, the matter is, God is always at work. He saved you not just for that you could go to heaven, but he saved you so that you can help others go to heaven. And you can help people come to know the eternal king. This season that Ecclesiastes talks about, he has a whole list of things. And verse 1 says, there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. He lists a time to give birth, a time to die. All of us are going to die with the Lord tarries. That's a good thing for the believer. Amen? There's hope after death. Death is not the end for the believer. But the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, but then comes the judgment. And so we're going to face the Lord not alone with Jesus. A time to plant, a time to uproot what is planted. Some of you planted in the garden this spring. Now maybe you planted some potatoes. Maybe you planted some tomatoes. Maybe you planted carrots. I don't know. Maybe you didn't plant any. I planted flowers. Then I had a reception at our place, you know, her, her graduation thing. You know, flowers come and go. It's a time to uproot what is planted. Sometimes a season in life in our hearts hurts. We come to a season where someone close to us passes. Or there's an uprooting, there's a disturbance, there's a relationship that is maybe uh, kind of went south. There's a time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to throw stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to shun embracing. A time to search, a time to give up as lost. A time to keep, a time to throw away. Some of, some of our folks here in transition are moving somewhere to another place. And that very, that very phrase, a time to throw away. It's a good time to throw away when you're moving, isn't it? To lighten up the ship, lighten up the, the, the ox cart. Man, I don't know, it's tough to move when you got a lot of stuff. You, gotta, you, gotta, you figure out what you really need. There are times in our life that we need to take inventory of what's in our heart. There are times when we begin to think, maybe I'm carrying around a grudge. Maybe I ought to throw that away. Maybe I really need to ask the Lord to bring healing into areas of my life where I've been broken, where I've been disturbed, where I've been angry. I need to give it up. Time to throw it away. And look to Jesus of the season. Isn't God good that he waits? He's patient with us? Wow, thank him for his patience with me. You know, he took, he took me on. He took me on. He, you know, you know I, I wrestled with God. This whole thing about preaching scared the living daylights out of me. You know, this was just way out of my comfort zone. Come on, Lord, there's someone else. I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? God calls you to go talk to that person, and maybe you're, he prompts you to speak to them. <laughs> Oh, come on, Lord. Aaron was, was a, Moses said, get Aaron. He can talk real clearly. I, I have a hard time when I'm in front of people. Moses argued with God, but God kept pressing him. You know what? 
You're not going to squirm out of this. Oh, what a good place to be in the will of God. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's no better place to be in the center of God's will and purpose. Oh, it may cost you some sacrifice. It's cost you, cost you some tears. It may cost you some time. There's no better place to be in the center of God's will. And it's very interesting how God works to get you in his will, to get you in his plan, because he knows the time is short. He knows there's only a season. You only have a few days while you're here. You only have so much time. And time, I read it somewhere lately. I was in a minister, minister's letter, and it comes from the district, and it was an interview with a 103-year-old woman who was asked the word advice. Can you give us one piece of advice, living as long as you have lived? And she said this, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. Wow, what a, what a wisdom. It, what, how true is that? And so when it comes down to this life that we live in, what is it that we really are looking for? What is it that's really important? It's really about your family. It's really about those you care for. It's really about your relationship with Jesus and helping other people come to know that he is a personal God, that he is a God that hears your cry, that sees your anguish, that knows who you, what you are going through. And we'll go on to this. This list is long, a time to tear apart, a time to sew together. There are times I don't understand that things get torn apart. Things can become torn down, sew together, amending, so to speak. Some of you have sewed things. Some of you have sewn torn. My mom used to sew patches on my jeans. <laughs> And she wouldn't put a little patch. She'd put the patch from here down to the pertinent to the ankle. Because <laughs> she knew if she did a, just a, a cheap job, I'd just soon wear them out again anyway. But that's the way it was. She knew how to sew. There are some of us that need some stitching. Need some stitching in some wounded areas of our life. And God's stitching, handiwork. Stitch back what's been torn apart. It's time to be silent. It's time, but we don't know what to say. And you know what? It's okay. Well, if you're listening to someone that's pouring their heart out, you say, I don't know what to say. Maybe that's the best thing, just to say nothing. But you're listening, and you're caring. You're hearing what the person's saying to you. Hearing is a, really a skill. Hearing someone out is really a skill to be developed, to be able to listen to them and even to take, take them to another level, to tr be trustworthy. Time to love, a time to hate. This is this back and forth. Time for war, time for peace. What profit is there if the worker? What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? So what is Ecclesiastes saying? What is he saying? Solomon comes down to his life. He's had it all. He's seen it all. He's he's had so much. He's he's looking all. Uh, backwards and forward throughout his life. He talks about a person who doesn't have, in this book, he talks about a person who doesn't have any family and yet there's no end to all his labor. He just lives for himself. And how futile. See, when all is said and done, when it comes down to the only thing that we can take to heaven with us is people. Other people. Right? I don't see no no suitcases, no clothing from here. As we entered into the world, we're going to go from this world. There's nothing. But may we be found faithful. May we just be found obedient to what he's talking to us about. In order 
to uh, go through the next season, go through what God is preparing for us for, what should our perspective be? What can we do to prepare for the seasons that God gives to you and I? The Bible says here, we read on, I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. Isn't it interesting we hear this over and over? Life is so busy. Life is so, so full. It's so fast-paced. How many of you long sometimes just to have a little place somewhere in the woods where you can be all alone or maybe take, your, take a few family members or friends and just sit and be quiet? Am I the only one? Am I? Why do guys like to go deer hunting? I hear this over and over. Because I like the solitude. I like it when I'm sitting on the stand. Yeah. So this, this idea, this all this commotion, a lot of the, 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 the things that are coming at us, we need a quiet time. If we're going to prepare for the seasons that are coming, while we're in this season, you see, some of us remember when you had kids when they were little. Remember them little rascals, Horton? They were just, you know, full of life. They needed attention. They always needed something. And you wonder, you look back at how you did it, right? Being the youngest of seven, myself, my mom, and my dad. I don't know how my mom did it, but she did it. She lived for her family. She lived for her God, and she lived for her family. She was always thinking about what she could do. And when the grandkids came along, she began thinking about what she could give to them. And God was always, you know, it was always about praying for her kids, for her grandkids. And I'm so blessed. Because she had an eternal perspective. So point one, in order to, to go through this season that we are just here for a moment, we are like grass. The Bible said we're like a flower that falls and fades. This life is so short in comparison to all eternity. But good news is we get to live forever because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I that where I am you may be also. And therefore we have hope even though this life may decay, even though we may not be able to do the things that we used to do, but with God's help we can continue on and be found faithful because we have the perspective Verse 11, he has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their heart. So God has given you a perspective that there is eternity. There is a forever and forever. So yet that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. There are so many things that God wants to teach us. There are so many things that God wants to reveal to you and I. But we must take the time to seek him. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom. But he didn't say seek, seek for what's in it for you. He says seek first his kingdom. Now he says all these things shall be added to you. What are the things? He, he was talking in that text about your clothing, your, your food, you, you know, the, the basics of life. All these things are going to be, you, God's going to take care of you. God's going to take you all, all the way through this life in good hands. 
God has promised to never leave or forsake you, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You fear not because he is with you. Because God is a God of, of, the, of the beginning, the present, and the end. He is, he is everywhere at once, and only God can do that. So God is calling us with a perspective to keep a close eye on Jesus while we're going through this life, while we're doing the best we can with what God gives to us. We do it as unto the Lord. God will reward your faithfulness. So when you show up on the job, when you say, you know, it's important that I'm on time, it's important that I do my best because I represent the Lord himself and we are called to God to walk not in our own thinking, not in our own ways, not in our own understanding. So there are days when you don't have a clue what to say or what to do. There will be days when you are, you are baffled and you feel like the enemy is pressing in on you and you go, what is that all about? And we need to have a refuge and understand that Jesus also suffered while he was on the earth. And because Jesus suffered, Paul related to this very thing in Philippians chapter 3. He talked about some suffering. He talked about the part about uh, this chapter 3 of Philippians 13 through 14. He had, he had come to a point in his life where he said, I haven't laid hold of it yet. In other words, Paul saying, I'm not arrived. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still a work in process. God is not finished with me. But the thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For some of us, the Lord needs us, needs us, needs to help us. We need his help in order to move on. We need his help to forget some things. We need his help to have healing, to move on. And Paul was describing, what is he describing? There are things in his life that he thought he was absolutely in the place where God was using him when he was killing the Christians. He thought he was doing a service for the Lord. But he didn't really have a relationship with Jesus until that day when Jesus met him and opened his eyes. And he was able to understand who Jesus really is. He is the true one and only God. It is in the name of Jesus that we can have our healing. It is in the name of Jesus that we have forgiveness. It is in the name of Jesus that we can go forth in power and the strength that we have. Sometimes we may feel like Paul when he described he had something of an affliction. It's something that he called a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it possibly could have been. We are only... Uh, Ex make expectation of it. Maybe it was his eyes, some say. Maybe it was something else. And he was sincere and he approached the Lord. Lord, take it out of my life. What did God say? At that moment he said, no. In your weakness, I make you, I'm going to make you strong. In other words, in your weakness, when you, when you realize you, ha you have to rely on me, that's a better place to be than when you're doing it all yourself. When you realize you can't do it on your own, that's a part of the perspective that leads us 
only through the person of Jesus Christ that helps us press on to pursue God. Some days you will feel like maybe you're not good enough. You feel some days that maybe God is not happy with me. And what God is saying is, trust me, just believe I am the one who makes you righteous, not your old. And if you're obedient to him, you're a value. God values people. And Paul said it in these words. When he began to add up perhaps all the credentials that he had for ministry, he had been taught with the Pharisees. He had learned the law. He understood. He could talk with the best. He could reason with them. He could debate with them. But he says the words in Philippians 3.8, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In other words, there's nothing in this world that compares to your relationship, no matter what it takes, no matter what anyone says, your relationship with Jesus is the most important. And the enemy knows that. And he will do all he can, if he can, to steal from you and I and steal our hearts away from the Lord. But we must keep our guard up. We must keep our minds sharp in the things of the Lord. So Paul says in another place in chapter 4, Philippians, after he talked about not being anxious about anything, but about praying for, for everything. He speaks these words in that portion of Scripture. Whatever is true, think whatever is right, honorable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute or report, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Let me ask you a question. What have you been thinking about a lot lately? What's been occupying your mind? There's a lot of things we can think about. There's a whole lot of things we can get discouraged over. But here's the secret. The enemy knows. And he wants to put things in your path. Circumstances orchestrate things to somehow trip you or discourage you. Paul said it like this. We are not ignorant of the schemes of the devil. In other words, Paul understood the enemy, how he works, and he knew how to fight back. And the way he fought this was he went to Christ, and he called upon the name of Jesus, and he took authority. You know how much authority is in the name of Jesus? Demons run and flee. Remember that story that that, that man was so demon-possessed, he was, he was so possessed, and Jesus came, and the demon says, oh, wait, it's, it's not our time yet, right? And Jesus said, it's time, time for you to go. And they went into a herd of swine and ran over headlong with a cliff. And Jesus sets the captive, captive, 
captives. There are many captives in our world. There are many people led to think that what they're doing is right, and they're on the wrong course, and they need Jesus. And so we must wave the banner. Name the name of Jesus. Be the salt, be the light. Keep your sword of the word of God in your heart to combat the thoughts. So the enemy will come to you a day and say, what do you think you're doing? Oh, you think you're good. You think you're pretty good, huh? And he'll whisper things and thoughts. And he'll put things in to stop us, to discourage us, but to stay positive, to stay true. Let us be the people of God who recognize and learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit versus our own thinking. There's a whole challenge on that. It's a whole another story to understand what God is saying. God's word is our, is our safety net. God's word is the place you need to go. When you all of a sudden feel confused, someone said this and it doesn't set well with you. Someone's maybe got part of the truth or you hear part of the truth and someone's half mixed. You go to the word and you say, you know what? This is what you say. This is your word. You begin to speak that word over your life. I believe in this. I believe in this literally. Speak the word over your circumstances. Speak the word over your mind. Speak the word over your heart, your, your, your very being. Speak. What do I mean? Well, Lord, your word says that there's no more condemnation. Romans chapter 8. There's now no more condemnation. You've been feeling condemned. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? That's not from, that's not from God. You know what another barometer is? Satan doesn't come with peace. He's confusing. God is the, not the author of confusion. That's a good way to discern what is truth and what not truth. God is a God of peace. And you sense when he comes near, the enemy has to leave, the enemy has to go. And I believe that the man of the house, or if you don't have a certain person that is in that place where they're praying, they're a believer, then you must pray yourself. Become that link to God of intercession and bring people to Christ. You see, there's a season and a time for everything. The day will come when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and the dead of Christ shall res resurrected. That season, sometime we're in a season where we feel like we're in a valley. Our good brother Clarence St. John said these words a few years ago. I still remember I was in Crosby at a fellowship meeting. He later became the district's superintendent for many years. He said these words, when you're in the valley, don't forget to look over and see the lily. Wow, that was a powerful statement. Because what does it, what did he mean by that? Because Jesus goes to you and goes with you to the valleys. And he's the lily. Lilies grow in the valleys. Not every day is going to be a mountain experience. There will be days when you feel weary and you feel tired. And you feel even discouraged. You feel like you're all alone. You're in a battle alone. But 
Guess what? God's got other people, and he wants us to unite. He wants us to come together because there are more, there's more strength in his numbers and his people. We were never meant to be alone, ranger for Jesus. I was never meant to be a hermit in the woods, although that sounds very inviting at times. But you think that you're just going to escape it all. But really, that can turn into a Jonah thing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to put it, I have a cabin I started umpteen years ago and I'm still trying to finish it. Every spring I get a little window, I get a little closer. And the roof's on, the door's in, the windows are in, you know, yada, 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 it, it's, it's there. But I had this dream when I was a boy, and we'd sit and draw pictures in high school. My buddy and I have our little dream cabin. He built his too later in life, but. I'm still getting there. I'm almost there. But what's intriguing about me is that do I have a place? Just to have a place to be quiet. And shut out the voices. Get alone with God. Jesus demonstrated that day by day. Can you imagine being Jesus for one moment while he was on the earth? When he healed someone, a mob, a whole crowd would, would come with others. When he did something miraculous, he fed a, a multitude with a, a little boy's lunch. And the next day, or two days, or whatever, a little longer, there were more people. And what Jesus had to do was slip away from the crowd because God had never intended for you and I to bring ourselves to a point where we are burning ourselves out, but we will burn out without Jesus. We will become exhausted. And so how important it is to keep your perspective, keep pressing into him. The Bible says when you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And to keep your spirits up, to keep positive in a negative world, that you don't have to go very far and and hear negative things, do we? We don't have to look for them. They're just everywhere. We have to keep our eyes upon the Lord. The Lord is our strength. When Nehemiah was building the walls, the opposition came and he kept on building and he couldn't stop the work because he was doing it for the Lord and God was helping him. As they fought with a sword in one hand and worked with the other, they had guards to guard the work. The word says there in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord was their strength. I encourage you. Keep the joy of the Lord 